Thanks for tuning in to the Sojourn Church Podcast. We are a church committed to the gospel in the context of family, living on mission to the city of Portland and our world. For more information, visit our website, sojournpdx.org. Well, we are one week into the new year. I'm not sure how your week went. We're not going to take a poll this morning. Uh, but as I told you last week, I'm holding on to two words going into this new year. And you're probably going to hear these words all throughout the year. So at the end of the year, you'll be tired of hearing these words. But uh, onward is the first word, and endurance is the second word. And so as a church, we are moving onward into the unknown of 2023, as we discussed on Wednesday, for those of you who were there. And we will endure, through God, whatever comes our way as he will be our constant, and he will be faithful to see us through it. To help us kind of uh, see this and go into this year, I want to quote from the 2006 movie Rocky Balboa. Rocky, played by Sylvester Stallone, has this intense conversation with his son. I know this was made years and years later, but I still encourage you to watch that one if you have not seen it. I own it on DVD if you want to come over. I also own a DVD player if you don't own one, so we can watch it in my house. But here's the quote in this conversation I has with his son. Uh, I'm going to try my best Rocky uh, impersonation. But it says, Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody's going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Rocky gives us a helpful imagery on onward endurance as we enter this year in the life and mission that we've been called to as Christ followers. Now, the Apostle Paul, no, I'm not going to preach from a a Rocky movie, um, but the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians, where we're going to be this morning, he will also encourage us in an onward endurance. How to keep pressing on is the language that he will use, even in the hardships of life. So if you have your copy of Scripture or if you have it, the app on your device, turn to Philippians chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 12 through 16. Probably some very familiar verses to you, but Philippians 3 verses 12 through 16. Now, before we start focusing on our circumstances, maybe how difficult maybe some of them have been, you know, things that you want to leave in the past of 2022, but some of those things you naturally carry into the new year, Let me remind you where Paul has found himself at the writing of this letter. Uh, Paul is actually in prison when he writes this letter to us. And so I think sometimes we read these encouraging letters or these um, charges to go and live this certain way. And we think, yeah, this is the Apostle Paul. But Paul has found himself in prison, yet he has still found a way to advance the gospel in such circumstances. And he continued to strain toward the goal of fulfilling the mission. And so as Paul found himself in prison, he realized that prison didn't change his mission. So if I want you for your life to, whatever prison, right? None of you are actually in prison this morning unless you escaped and you're here. 
But whatever maybe maybe a negative circumstance is happening in your life, or maybe things aren't going your way, right? That can be something that's mental, that's physical, but whatever that might be, put that in the blink of prison. But for Paul, prison didn't change his mission. Simply refined it. Paul didn't say, well, God, I'm sorry, but, you know, I found myself in prison. I know that you, you called me to do this, and I was to go and do these things, but I'm now in prison, God. I guess I'm just going to sit here and sketch on something or just wait out my, my sentence. I guess my mission is done. What am I supposed to do, God? That's not at all how we see Paul posture himself. Paul goes, you know what? My circumstances have changed. I came here with a mission. I came here with a purpose. And now I found myself in prison, physically in prison, literally. And he realized, but his mission had not changed. It had simply been refined. So what does he do instead? He preaches to the imperial guard. This was not his original audience. This is not who he set out to go and to preach the gospel to. And he also wrote the prison epistle that we are looking at today. And so he did not waste his time. He's like, okay, God, I found myself in this circumstance. I hadn't planned this. How do you want to use it? How do I continue on? How do I endure through this and still fulfill the calling and the mission that you put on my life? Now, it's fair to say we've all been through some difficult circumstances. When I was writing my manuscript, I wanted to write, that's life. Let's put it bluntly, right? Like we all have difficulties that we go through. And we talked about that Wednesday. Like we're going into this new year and we don't know what's going to happen. This might be the best year of our lives. This might be the worst year of our lives. I was reminded it's, it's hard to believe that we are only weeks away from being three years removed from this whole thing of COVID-19, at least hit Portland and, and kind of that reality in our world was turned upside down. I was just thinking back three years ago, January, 2020, you know, we went through our vision and value series that we're about to go through uh, this month as well. And, 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 and all the, you know, all the excitement of, man, this new year, and it's cool to write 2020, like, you know, this point that's going to happen like that. And, and just going into it, and then just weeks later, how our life was just turned upside down, our entire world was turned upside down. And you see, difficult circumstances will refine your mission, but the mission does not change. Paul's saying you may find yourself this year in a really difficult circumstance. You may find yourself this year in, in prison, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe there's anxiousness going into this year. Maybe there's depression going into this year. Maybe there's loneliness going into this year. Maybe, maybe some of you deal with the uncertainty of this new year. Maybe there's just this general fear of the unknown. But what Paul's going to do He's going to encourage us is that you can keep moving forward. Not in your own strength, like Rocky was really telling his son, but in the strength of the Spirit of God, who gives us that strength to keep going forward. And so the main point of our message this morning is, is how do we keep moving forward? Onward and pressing on toward the goal and during what God has called us to do when you enter into a new year, into the unknown. And so number one is acknowledge that you haven't reached your goal. Let's look at verses 12 and the first part of verse 13 from Philippians chapter 3. Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, 
forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul begins this text with a double not already to emphasize that he is still running the race and that he has not already reached the finish line. It says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. You see, he's addressing an audience. We always have to kind of look at this original group that he's, he's referring to. And what he's doing is he's addressing those that were in Philippi who thought they had reached the goal of Christian perfection. That there was nothing beyond that. They've already graduated to this point where they cannot continue to grow in, I'll use a big theological word, sanctification. That, that essentially they, 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 they look just like Jesus. <laughs> it's a mere reflection. There's nothing to, to improve upon. That they had arrived. They were part of uh, the, the who's who crowd. Kind of the, the in crowd. And we still see these types of people in groups today. Thankfully, I don't think we really have those at Sojourn. Um, but you, you find these. And you'll find these a lot of times in, in churches. I've been to some, uh, not to pick on large churches, but I've been part of some really large churches. And you typically will find this, this, this group, and you're like, how come they get all the opportunities, right? But there's this group that felt like they had already arrived. And Paul, however, comes in and stresses that he is not already perfect. Paul's saying, I still struggle in life. Paul's saying, I still sin. And he's recognizing the full glory of the resurrection is in the future. And so Paul knows that his passionate intention is to know Christ. He's like, I want to know Christ above all else. I want to know Christ. I want to know the things of Christ. I want my life to reflect Christ. Which is why he considers, he says in the language, everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Can we echo the same? I just want you to take some uh, self-reflection this morning. And then he wants us to continue to press on toward the goal. And so let me put it bluntly. Regardless how long you've been a Christian, regardless how long you've been following Jesus, how many verses you can quote, how much money you've given, how much you serve, mission trips you go, all of that, you haven't arrived. You haven't reached the goal. But you're to continue on in this life. And so if the Apostle Paul is saying that, if you know much about the Apostle Paul, I know Paul gets a bad rep today, but I mean, you're he wrote most of the New Testament. And so uh, if, you're, if you know much about his life, and Paul is saying that. I mean, Paul of all people, he's like, man, you've reached it. Look at what you've done. But Paul was saying that, then I think that we all still have room to grow as well. And so as we go into this new year, you're going, how do you want to grow? How do you want to change me? How do you want to use the circumstances, the good, which we're all like, yeah, good ones, and the bad, and the hardships, to mold me, to shape me, to make me, cause me to look more and more like you? Because Paul, of all people, could make the argument that he had arrived. But he wants his fellow Christian to know that he's also a fellow struggler. Gives us a great picture of, of Christian leadership. That's what I call a servant leader. Now, something strange happened to me a few years ago. Um, that fuse is becoming a little bit longer now. But when the title pastor got put in front of my name. Now, you guys know me. I like to be Matt. Some of you show up and you start calling me Pastor Matt. And I'm like, it's Matt, you know. Um, but when pastor got put in front of my name, people started treating me differently. And, and prior to that, now I had done mission work and, and ministry broadly, but there wasn't this, this stigma and this title that went along with my, my name. Sure, there's a list of biblical qualifications and things I need to adhere to. I, I get all of that. But I quickly noticed that others inside and outside the church started treating me differently, as if I had arrived, or like I no longer struggled with some of the same 
sins that maybe they struggle with. Uh, even last night, we had a large group of people in my house. Most of them would not identify themselves as Christians. And uh, we met most of these people during the World Cup. So they're all from Argentina. And last night, uh, I don't know if this was a good thing or a bad thing, but um, quite a few of them went into my office, which is in my garage, if you've been to my house, because that's where we're keeping the rabbit whenever we don't have her inside. We got a Christmas and I, I think four people in conversation said, so what kind of pastor are you? Or, you know, something. And I was like, how did, how did you know that I was a pastor? You know, because I was trying to do this like incognito and let them later learn. They're like, well, when you're in your office, you have all these books and Bibles and commentaries. And it was like, oh, okay. So, uh, and I actually, actually told a couple of them, I was like, well, I'm glad you learned like weeks later after we've like watched multiple World Cup games together and just hung out because I, I know there's so much stereotypes that kind of go with that. So let me let you know two little secrets. The list of qualifications for leaders, including pastors in the New Testament, is almost the same for every Christian, including you, with the exception of preaching and teaching. And so I know you guys know this because you know me well enough, but as your pastor, I am a fellow Christian who struggles with you. So please don't ever think, man, Matt doesn't struggle with this. I do struggle with the same exact things. And so know those who have a title in their ministry have not arrived. And so Paul's kind of putting that out there. I haven't reached this goal. I haven't arrived. I'm with you. We're in the trenches together. Which brings me to number two. We are to passionately pursue knowing Christ. Let's pick up in verse 12 through 14. It says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so Paul's not calling us to live passively. He's not saying just wait around and just let life happen. Rather, he says to press on and strain towards the goal. So what he's doing in this context is he's correcting this attitude of moral perfectionism and stressing that I have not already obtained this. I'm, I haven't reached the goal. And he's contradicting not only the Jewish Christians of his day, that we're claiming and, and promising perfection by way of membership into, in the Jewish people, but he's also correcting uh, an idea of perfectionism in our day, and that there's this ongoing process. But in our imperfection, I think someone's going to get hung up on that, right? You're like, I messed up again. Oh, I did that again, right? Which is why most, most weeks, we're actually not this week, but most weeks we, we take communion and we talk about this idea, like the reminder of the gospel that we all need. Because when we leave here and we go down those steps, some of us might trip, hopefully not actually trip, but you might trip as soon as you get out, right? Or you have a conversation with your spouse in the car that, that blows up or at the restaurant, whatever, right? The reality is that each week we, we continue to struggle and we continue to sin. So, but he's not saying in your imperfection, like, you know what? I'm just, I can't do this. He's saying, no, press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Jesus is continually changing you and cleansing you from the inside out. Now, this term press on means to move rapidly and decisively toward an objective. But there's this goal that you're, you're going after, you're towards it. And he's previously used the same word to prove that he was zealous to the point of persecuting the church. Right? So Paul is apparently a very passionate person. And this is before he came to Christ, he was persecuting those. He's now using the term to describe how he's running after and pursuing Christ to know Christ more and more. I think in, in our modern day, especially in, in where we live, it's easy to get kind of passive in our following of Christ. Like, I know Christ. 
you know, I said a, I said a prayer, and uh, occasionally I may look at the Bible, occasionally I show up at the church. But Paul's like, man, my passion is to know Christ more and more. We don't ever just settle into an apathy of, okay, I've got a little bit of a head knowledge, but it's just letting it become everything that he is, everything about him. To where he, he, he puts on his, always like say his gospel lenses or his Jesus lenses, like everything he does now in life, he's filtering through the clarity that he's been given through the freedom that he's been given in Christ. And so are we, what are we pressing on towards? The prize. And you might think, well, what is the prize? Like he keeps talking about this, this prize. What is the prize? He, he actually told us early in verses 7 through 10. I'm going to read through these really quickly. I think I have a slide for this. Yeah, verses 7 through 10. He says, but whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Later in Hebrews, it reiterates this in Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two. I think I have a slide for that one as well, yes. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, what Paul is encouraging us as we enter into 2023, he's saying, throw aside anything that isn't helping you keep focus and run. Throw aside. I don't know why my mental image was I'm in a kayak just now. This is not a very script. I'm in a kayak and there's like a small leak. And I realize I'm kind of going down, right? If, it, if it's literally like I'm out in the middle of Columbia, like too far out, like I'm going to start throwing aside. You know what? I can buy that thing back at REI. I can, I can, you know, do this. I can get another one of these so that I can have as little weight as possible to get back so that I don't sink down into the river. So he's saying throw aside anything, right? He's even saying good things. It might be distracting our lives that we need to throw aside to keep focused and run, to find a way to keep narrowly focused on the mission. He's saying the mission is worthy of our sacrifice. I didn't know this until I started researching, but the average Olympic athlete, you might know this, trains six hours a day. And I imagine it's pretty intense training. Six hours a day. I mean, that's a couple hours shy of a full work day. Six days a week. I know, like, traditionally people do, like, you know, it's January, everyone's joining the gym, right? They do, like, three days a week, right? About three days of workout. Six days a week, six hours a day, and they've usually been working toward their goal for 10 years or more before they actually reach the Olympic competition. I mean, talk about a sacrifice. You literally throw aside everything else in your life. Family, friends, clubs, hobbies. This becomes your focus. It is so narrow. I mean, it makes you feel like, really resonate with the athletes who get hurt right before they go to the Olympic competition. Because it's not like, oh, okay, they, they got hurt. They'll be out there four years from now. Like, they gave a decade of their life 
and now they don't make it, and some of them won't get the opportunity to go and to do it. And why do they sacrifice so much? <clears throat> it's for a good cause, sure, right? I mean, we can you can cheer on your country, and you want to take the gold, go, look, we're the best at this. But it's not an eternal cause. It's not one that, that goes into eternity. But they sacrifice so much for it. I think most of us are willing to sacrifice for things that we really desire and believe in. We're, we're willing to, to cut things out, to eat a certain way, to spend less money, to do these things about something we really believe in, that we're really passionate about. And so I want you to ask yourself maybe some hard questions this morning. Or maybe not. But how will I be faithful this year? If this really matters, right? Now, I, I think... You know, people say, oh, I follow Jesus. Like, who's most important? Jesus, right? And what's the most important book? And you're like, I'm supposed to say the Bible, right? But how will you be faithful this year? That song we were singing right before I got up, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, our hearts adore you. Those words, as Hannah told us again, those words really mean something. Do we live our lives in such a way that we really love and adore Jesus? So how will you be faithful this year? And how will you sacrifice for the things that matter this year? And those may look different in, in all of our lives. There might be some things as a church body that we say, hey, we're going to sacrifice some of this and to do this. But there's things also for you individually, for your family. And so may God put in our heart a desire for faithfulness and sacrifice for what matters most. May he give us that burning desire in our heart. Look again at verse 13. It says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straight forward to what lies ahead. There is nothing, nothing that will trip you up more than not being able to forget. Forget what? First, your past. As a Christian, you have to forget your past, your failures. Let's think about 2022. We all made mistakes. We all had hardships. We all had difficulties. Are you carrying that baggage? Are you able to forget it? Now, I understand there's some circumstances you have to continue, but you know, not implying we don't thank God for, for his act of grace in our lives and for recognizing, like, God, you took this away from us. Nor am I implying if you have active presence in your lives that you don't repent from that. But Paul had many failures as a Christian. Prior to becoming Christ, he was a persecutor and a murderer of the church. But we never see Paul implying that he needs to pay God back for all that he did. We don't see Paul allowing that to trip him up and going like, ah, oh, I just can't continue on because of this. You know, Paul could have said, I found myself in prison because that's what I deserve from my previous life. But that's not what we see him writing. We see him going, oh, I found myself in prison. God, what, what are you doing here? Now there's a different set of circumstances. You're refining my mission. Let me continue the mission that you've called me to broadly, but you've changed some of the details and circumstances around it. Because Paul knew he could never pay God back because it's already been paid by Jesus on the cross. Paul tells us in Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so some of us, and this is a tendency really I'd say of a lot of us, we allow our life before Christ to continue to define us. Or some of us will define others by their former life or by their current and active struggles. Some of you will struggle to hold on to the bad from 2022 and you'll carry it into 2023. 
And the reality is some of us just don't let, like to let go. Some of us love misery. Misery loves company, right? And we just kind of love to, to hold on to it. And so let me say this as gently and as firmly as possible. You aren't embracing the gospel. That may sound harsh, but here's why. What did Romans 8, 1 tell us? There is now no condemnation. So that shouldn't sound harsh. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That we're able to let go of it because Christ has already taken care of it. And so one thing, one thing alone should define who you are. Christ and Christ alone and being a beloved child of God. That's the good news that we get to be reminded. Regardless how this week went, God looks at you and says, you are my beloved. You're my beloved sons. You're my beloved daughters. Amen? Amen. Second, and this might actually be harder of, of, of things that you are to be able to forget, are your achievements. Many of us want to live off our highlight reel of the past when it comes to our faith. What, what I call your spiritual resume. You know, if you look at your resume, the longer you're like in an industry, all you're doing something more like, oh, my resume is kind of getting outdated. Like, I should probably stop putting the restaurant I worked for when I was 15 on my resume. I would imagine. <laughs> I could go apply for a Portland restaurant. Like, Look, I did all the things that you're looking for 20 years ago. Doesn't that qualify? But some of us are living our lives spiritually like that. Think about who wrote this letter, the Apostle Paul, who wrote 13 letters that are included in the Bible. 13 of them. And so if anyone could say achieve this goal, retire to collect seashells on the beach the rest of the days, it would be Paul. And many of us find ourselves living off the glory days of the past. It might sound like this. I used to attend church weekly. I used to serve in this ministry. I, I used to give generously. I used to fill in the blank. I used to do all of these things. So I'm good, right? I feel like in Portland, I commonly meet people. We have a lot of transplants here. I'm one of them. In fact, look here in the room. I think everyone in this room is a transplant to Portland. Now, some of us have been here for 15 years. Some of us have been five. Some of us have been here for a couple months. A lot of transplants, and, and I meet a lot of people from my area of the country, and that's kind of their story. That, why well, I used to do these things. And it's almost like, if I were to die or if Christ were to come back, I would hand him a spiritual resume of my past. Sound good, right? Paul's saying, continue on. It's great you did those things. Congratulations. Do <laughs> you want to hand clap? Keep moving forward. What is you doing now? How is Christ still working in and through you? Because if anyone can live out their glory days in the past, it would be Paul from his experience of planting churches. I was trying to think of an Oregon example, but I'm going to stick with the North Carolina example and use it to give myself some grace. Um, if you know much about college uh, basketball, some of you do, some of you don't, but you might be familiar with Duke University. You've probably heard of Duke University. Coach K, one of the, the greatest basketball coaches, uh, college basketball coaches of all time, who after each win and loss, including championships, would say, we have to get ready for the next season. We have to get ready for the next, the next game by continuing to press on. Now imagine Coach K, who just retired, I think it was last year. Imagine if Coach K, after he won his first NCAA championship in 1991, just continue to hold on to that and that is reasoning for keeping his job. Let's just imagine that he, losing season, losing season, losing season, losing season, you know, and they, maybe they give him a few years, five years in, losing season, like, I won the 1991 NCAA championship. And it's like, that's great, Coach K. We're now in the year 2000. It's been a long time. That's, that's in the past. That's not what he did. 
Instead, he kept pressing, preparing, working hard, straying towards the goal of, you know what? We want to win this in 1992. We want to win this in 1993. Right? And they got there a lot of times. I'm not sure how many times they actually won. They got there a lot of times. One of the most winning is coaches. But he didn't do it because he lived off the highlight reel of the 1991 NCAA championship. He did it because he went, that's great. Let's celebrate it. Let's keep moving forward. I've used Argentina as a lot of examples because the World Cup recently, same way, right? They're already eyeing four years from now when the U.S. gets to host it that, man, we, we want to win it again. That's really hard to do, but that's going to be their goal. And so Paul refused to let his past failures or his present achievements distract him from the finish line. And so church, we can't live in the glory days of the past. We can't even live based on just 2022. We have to keep pressing on. We have to live for the future, our heavenly reward. And so we passionately pursue knowing Christ. And then number three, never get over the gospel. <clears throat> Read verse 12b and 14b. Paul says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul gives us his reasoning for straining ahead because Christ Jesus has changed him. Will you allow Jesus to change you this year? You might say, well, he changed me last year, or he changed my life 12 years ago. But we allow him to continue to change you. And because God had also called him. And so Paul lives his life with purpose. I don't know about you, but we all want to live our life with purpose. And he constantly aims towards his heavenly goal. And so church, may we never get over the gospel. We never graduate beyond that, but we continue daily to return to it. Number four, and then we'll wrap up. To maintain progress in your faith. Let's look at verses 15 and 16. It says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Essentially, Paul is saying, those of us who are mature recognize that we are far from perfection. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not trying to highlight myself here, but since I use the examples of pastors and qualifications, the longer I'm following Jesus, the more I realize I need Jesus. The more I'm like, am I really a pastor? <laughs> do I really meet the qualification? Do people really ordain me and support me to move to do this? You know? And I don't know if you've experienced that, but the more you're like, you kind of see the ugliness of your sin and brokenness, but it should make you that much more thankful, right? and embracing the grace and mercy and his ongoing grace and mercy in your life. And then Paul finishes by returning to his main exhortation. Maintain progress in the faith by not losing a grasp of the gospel. Now, there's a scene I want us to watch from a movie. Um, the movie Facing the Giants. It's been out for quite a while now at this point, so it hopefully won't spoil anything. Really good movie. It gives us a picture of how this looks in our life. So let's see if this, this works, if I embedded it rightly into the slideshow. Hit, hit it again. Do it again. Hopefully I did it right. Let's try. Maybe I'll be that loud. 
Well, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a loss, bro? Well, not if I knew we could beat them. Come here, bro. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> what, you want me to go to the 30? And you go to the 50. The 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. And you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do a blindfold. Why? Because I want you to give it up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. I did a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right. Let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground. Use your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. Good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. It's a good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. That's it, Brock. That's it. Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more to you than that. Hey, done. Just rest in a second. You gotta keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Keep going. Keep driving. Keep, dri keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on. Keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know I'm, he's heavy. I'm bad strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going. You hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn. And let it burn. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me your back. Your back. Don't stop. Keep going. It's not too hard. You keep going. Come on, Brock. Give me more. Give me more. Keep going. 20 more steps. 20 more. Keep going, Brock. Give me your back. Don't quit. No. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Brock Kelly, you don't quit.
zone. Does life ever feel that way? Like you're doing a death crawl with somebody on your back? And this life that you've been called to, right? And you, and you find yourself down, and you're like, I'm just going, I'm just going, I can't do it any longer, I'm exhausted. And the Holy Spirit's so are going, keep moving forward, keep moving forward, keep moving forward in my strength, right? I don't think the Holy Spirit sounds like that, coach, but keep moving forward. You can do this. This is the life that I have called you to do. Remember the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Life feels like that oftentimes. As we go into our year, as a church, may we acknowledge that we haven't arrived, that we passionately want to pursue Christ. Never get over Christ in the gospel. Maintain progress in your faith. And my prayer as we finish today is that we can say corporately and individually, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. God, we thank you for a new year, a fresh start. God, the reality is that your mercies are new every morning, and they wash afresh over us. God, we're carrying into this new year some of the, the past, some of the things from the, the previous year. But God, may we look at this year with a fresh eyes, God, see with clarity that you are our constant, that we're walking into the unknown, but regardless what happens, that we can look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. God, may we continue onward, may we continue enduring whatever it is you call us to this year, as individuals, as families, as a church body, God. And may we keep moving forward, God, on those days it just seems like we just want to give up on life. On the days it seems we want to walk away from our faith because we just can't carry this burden any longer. God, may we keep moving forward. God, till the day that we open our eyes, we slip into eternity, and you say, well done, thy good and faithful servant, you have arrived. God, we love you. We adore you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. You can connect with us and find more available teachings and resources at our website, sojournpdx.org.